Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 75 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I am joined, as always, by Kate Maniscalco, riding shotgun once again. Uh, Kate, I, I was looking around at the news of the day. We're taping this on Tuesday, coming out on Wednesday. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest news, but it might be the funniest news, is that Alec Manoa, we talked about it, he was sent down to the Rookie Complex League. He was in the pitching lab for a long time, trying to re rehone the stuff that made him third in the AL Cy Young. But he, uh, he was beat up. In his, in his first start, 11 runs, two and two-thirds innings at the Rookie Complex League facing 17 to 20-year-olds. Um, did you did you foresee this? I mean, you're a big fan of the term pitching lab, but I, I think you I think you along with all of us thought that he would go down there and have a little bit more success than that. So um, not great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just a, just a little bit more. Uh, two and two-thirds innings knocked out was a little surprising. Um, I also thought it was strange, but Justin reminded me that he was in the pitching lab, that that was his first start, but I guess he was working on mechanics. I just, I don't know what happened. I think, especially with the caliber of players that he's facing, I don't understand how that happened. I'm Justin, do you want to mention the thing that you saw on Twitter that? Oh, um, well, just like Brandon McCarthy pitched in the league forever. And he tweeted that like, and I, th I thought the same, same thing, too, because I had heard other pitchers talk about when, like, in spring training, you can't really look at spring training stats. It's kind of along the same lines because it's like if pitchers are working on a specific thing, like if that start in spring, it's like I want fastballs down and away. It's all I'm throwing today. Like, right. sometimes we'll just do that to, to, like, work on it and, like, don't look at the stats. But Brandon McCarthy said this is probably a smaller deal than it looks. If he's working on very specific things in the zone, super aggressive minor league hitters will tee off. If he was trying to be competitive, then uh-oh. So I thought that was a pretty good way to – Pretty good summation of 11 earned runs, 10 hits, three strikeouts, though, and two walks for Alec Manoa. Um, just just a tough scene. But I I came in over the, the top rope and I had my own tweet about this. I just thought it'd be funny if the Blue Jays, they, they, they keep moving Alec Manoa down and facing lower and lower and, like, younger and younger competition until, like, he can finally prove he can get people out. So, like, 17 to 20-year-olds in the complex league teeing off what if we get down the ladder? What if we get like some of the little league world series teams in Williamsport? What if he's, what if, what if they come out? I don't know. Just to get his confidence back. The guy's probably rattled. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm, I'm thinking the confidence level. How are you going to go back to the majors? If that's what's happening in the complex league, clearly the pitching lab isn't working. So we need to go back into the lab, figure some more yep. things out and then try again. But again, the, the um, thing that you mentioned about working on a specific pitch that is, that makes a little bit more sense because those numbers were extremely, extremely alarming. If you just take a quick glance and go, Oh no, what the heck happened? Talek Manoa. Yeah. I'm curious if the team will come out with a statement about it or like the pitching coaches saying, Oh yeah, no, he was working on something. Have no fear. He's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was throwing exclusively softballs down the middle today. So don't, don't read into it. Also, they said both players he allowed a home run to were born in 2004. So, oh my gosh, we're getting oh younger. We're getting younger. Um, all the dads out there, yep, I've made this joke before, but yeah, you have multiple uh, multiple items of clothing 
probably decades older than these kids that were teeing off on Alec Manoa today. So um, tough, sad day, bad day. Tough. It's yeah, it's it's a tough scene out there. But we have a lot of other news to talk about this week. Uh, we have some fun rants coming up. But I'm gonna let Kate do the lead off and talk a little bit about the Rays. Tampa Rays. All right. So some pretty. Interesting news happened. Wander Franco was benched last week for not being the best teammate in the words of manager Kevin Cash. He said there wasn't a specific example. Like the media did ask him, is there something specific that he did? What's going on? There were a couple altercation between him and Randy Rosarina, not hustling down the first baseline, even with balls in the infield. I'm very passionate about that. You should always be hustling unless you're John Carlos Stanton slamming bats in the dugout, throwing equipment, all of that good stuff. So he was doing that benched. A lot of his teammates came out. They showed a lot of support, which was great because eventually now he's back in the lineup. I thought though, in my opinion, that was an excellent move for the Tampa Bay Rays, especially someone so young, that emotion is going to get to your head a little bit. And teams particularly do so much better when the chemistry is aligned. And if you're going up to veterans and having altercations with them and slamming your equipment in the dugout, it's, just a recipe for disaster. I think from their standpoint, they said, we're just going to like nip this in the butt early. They've been so successful this year, obviously first in the AL East. I believe they still have the best winning percentage in baseball. And to just get ahead of this early before it starts bundling up and then the all-star break happens and it's still being an issue. I thought that was a great move and it does appear that he's been better since then. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting with him because it's like he's the best player on the team. And they, I think they sat him for two games. I guess they kind of thought that they had the luxury of they can be without him for two games, especially because if it will lead to like long term, he won't do the things he was doing again. Like that's, I could see how that would be productive. But when I first heard that he was, he was like taking a seat and working on some stuff and working on like what you said, like the hustling, the altercations, all that stuff, it was like, really like could, could this be handled? It's like, a, it's like at my job, it's like instead of a meeting, like could this be an email? Right, could this be right. a could this be a conversation? Right. Um. But I, I guess it worked. Uh. And also in his first game back, the guy mashed a home run. Um. So. But yeah, if if the Rays were like struggling or if they were like fighting deep in like the the standings race, I don't know if they would have made him sit out two games. That felt like a luxury that they felt like they had. Yes. No. I completely agree with that. Um. And I think also to the point is because they were so ahead, they exactly what you said they had the luxury. He can sit out. He can and then come back. I do find that a lot of other teams don't do that with their players. And then fans are getting very aggravated that they're consistently making mental mistakes in the field, not hustling. So again, in my opinion, I just, I thought that was a great call. Well, this is like what we talked about last week with Brian, with Josh Donaldson. Cause like there's some yes. Yankees fans online that are like, Oh, you got, got picked off. You got to take them out. Got to set, got to set the tone. We're the Yankees. You don't do that. Or whatever mental lapse of judgment happens on the field. It's like, Hey, you got to sit him down. It's like, well, or I feel like it's, it, you probably could get away with it with a 22 year old like him, just like, like we talking about, like, get the, get this out of the way early, nip in the butt early, just like yeah. make sure this never happens again. But like with a 37 year old Josh Donaldson, I don't really think you could be like, sorry, bud, not today, not in this league. Take yes. that crap out of here. Like, I don't think you can really do that with, with Donaldson. Yes. But. And that's what Brian was saying. He said, you know, it's tough for Boone because he has so many veterans on the team to kind of sit them down and be like, what are you guys doing? That's a difficult conversation to have. You're totally right with the fact that he's so much younger. And especially if the veterans are going up to him and making comments about it, that's that's a 
perfect. Yeah. And my favorite part about all this was Zach Eflin. The guy has been on the Rays for like months, just signed this off season is a pitcher, not even a position player, but for a pitcher who has just got there to like, I, I read that he signed up for Spanish language courses on Babbel just so he could talk to Wander Franco and like yeah. took him under his wing. And I, there's a great quote. It's a little long, but I'll still read it. I'm always there for him. I'm not going to stop loving him. I think some people in this world need that. Some people don't come from normal families or whatnot. I try to not get too deep with it, but I'm just trying to relate to him as much as possible and let him know that I'm not going to give up on him. Nobody's going to give up on him. That's like the most wholesome, like, yeah, that's, I thought that was good. So that, I feel like that should make everybody out there feel warm and fuzzy inside because um, I'm sure Wander Franco really appreciated it. And Zach Eflin just seems like the nicest human on earth. So um, I want to give a little shout out there. I love that. I think yeah. Trisha Whitaker also did an interview with Zach Eflin and his uh, wife. Reese. I was so wholesome. It really gave such an inside look on him. I, I just think he's fantastic. It was so sweet. They were too smitten in love. They were doing the interview. She goes, this is just what I love about you. You're so caring. I'm like, this is great. We need more oh. of this. <laughs> more of these in-depth interviews. <laughs> Zach Eflin's an all first team, all good guy. Yeah. That guy's yes. the best. Um, so yeah, I think, I think people try to make this a bigger story than it really was. It was really more of an internal team thing, but yeah, I, it was just like, I'm sure the race players felt awkward being asked about this by the media or just like people in general, like, Hey, what the heck's going on with this guy? Huh? Like, I don't know. I feel like yeah. more of it, if it's more of an internal thing, Kevin cash had, a, had some really, really good statements out there, basically yeah. echoing the same sentiment that we had. So, um, yeah, that, that might just be classic media trying to blow something, make, make, make a mountain out of a molehill. Um, always so it's <clears throat> yes. it was a tough thing to go through okay uh next up mlb london series i'm gonna start with a question i didn't know this was happening did you know this was happening ahead of time yes i didn't you didn't know this was happening no i turned on my tv week this weekend on fox and i was like oh that's weird that they're, they're okay cubs and cardinals and, or, yeah and then they're in they're in london i i'm pretty locked in to major league baseball i don't know if this was advertised properly so i wanted to call that out Okay. That's fair. I do. Now that I think about it, I don't think I saw any advertisements for it, but I just remember seeing it on the schedule. And then I was talking to someone from the UK that said, Oh, are you watching the games this week? <laughs> that wasn't a good accent. Yeah. Yeah. We'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us, tell us um, about the series. <laughs> so for people who did know about it and, you know, weren't like me and fumbled around and, and stumbled into it, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Cubs, Cardinals, the two teams split the two-game series. Um, they played at West Ham United. There was 110,000 total people across those two games that came out. Uh, but I was listening to Ken Rosenthal, and he had he does uh, Fair Territory on the Foul Territory channel. It's actually really good. You should listen to it. Um, he was talking about, like, he was over there with the Fox crew, and he broke down kind of like the two groups of people that he thought comprised most of the audience at these games. It was, like, expats, which are, like, people from America that live in England, because they were all decked out in like the the gear that you would see people in this country wear into a baseball game. And then also he said just like tourists, just like American tourists just like came over. So it's like I he said he felt like most of the people there kind of fell into those two groups, didn't really feel like a lot of like native UK people were there just kind of like, "Oh, let's check this out." Um I did see the tweet though that you that you retweeted where it was like pregame PA announcer here at London Stadium, remember if you catch a foul ball during today's game it is yours to keep. So <laughs> Gotta gotta make sure the people in England don't like freak out because like what am I? Because I don't know. What if, do I you, do pro with this? you probably can't keep a soccer ball. I think no. you probably have to throw that back. You have to throw it back. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm so, Okay. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, or a football as they call it. 
Um, but just like I feel like this probably could lead to a larger conversation about like growing the game in this country is really hard. Like we're trying to get yeah. young people involved, all these things that we're doing. And baseball is just really trying hard to grow it internationally uh, in markets that you really wouldn't think about like UK baseball fans. So um, how much of an uphill climb do you feel like we, ha- we face trying to grow MLB Europe? I think they've done a good job of doing the series there. I did see some tweets saying we should have a team in London. Let's just squash that bug right now. We're not going to have any teams in the UK. I think that's way, way too much. Just the travel alone obviously would be insanity. But I think that does help bring a broader audience. I thought it was interesting that they said, though, a majority of the people that were there were actually people that came from America, took the trip over, and were like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go to London, and I'm a Cardinals fan, so might as well head over and watch the games while I'm there. I think, and it's interesting that you made the point that you didn't really know about it and it wasn't advertised here. I wonder what that advertisement looked like in the UK. I feel like if they do bigger advertisements over there, and even like creators on social media that live in the UK and can broadcast that a little bit more would be great. But I mean, we saw the WBC and how passionate people are about baseball from all over the world. I just, I do feel like UK is, it's a little bit tougher to get those people to appreciate baseball as much as they do here, just because, I mean, soccer is obviously football top of mind there, but I I thought the series was great. I do think it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Like, do you think Mets Phillies next year is a good, is a good call? I mean, it's going to be like this year where people are going to forget right. that it's on the count. Ca- like right now we know that it's Mets Phillies, but I guarantee next year we'll be so focused on baseball being played in this country that it'll pop up again and you'll turn on your TV on Saturday afternoon. And they're like, hello from foggy London town. It's like, wait, what the hell? What? The Phillies are there. Um, it just right. kind of feels like it, it feels really early in the process. And I, th- there's only like, there's only three youth leagues in London that play mm-hmm. like American baseball. I think I read it's like, it's it, we face such an uphill climb to to try to grow the game and i think the only real and ken rosenthal made these points too where he's like what will really grow the game internationally in, in, in countries like london and in the uk it's like countries like london countries like the uk is like wbc the great britain's upset of columbia the wbc with their uniforms with the tiniest most generic yes. font on the front of them that <laughs> did a lot just beating columbia guaranteed that they're in the wbc next time around so mm-hmm. more more exposure that way. And also just like stars from that country. Harry right. Ford, the Mariners' top prospect, the catcher, is from Georgia, but his parents were from the UK. So he's like somehow allowed to play for the UK. We just need guys like him that are like superstars from that country, willing to like drape themselves in the flag of that country, metaphorically speaking, and just be like what Shohei Otani is for J- Japanese baseball or, you know, insert Dominican superstar for the country of the Dominican Republic. Like they need guys to be willing to be like, Hey, I'm captain UK. I almost said captain America. Um, but you know what I mean? Like they just need a guy. Yes. Cause they talk about it all the time. How many fans support Shohei Otani and he's like a celebrity when he goes back home. So I think that's actually a great point of bringing that back to here from the United States of having someone there supporting them. I will say that although there wasn't a lot of advertisement leading up to it, I thought the the they did an outstanding job during the series. I mean, Derek Jeter debut on air was fantastic. They had Big Poppy joking around with him at the desk, giving him a Red Sox jersey with Jeter on the back, and 
if you're a Yankee fan, you know, Jeter was very composed when he was a player, didn't really give a lot to the media. And he said, this is the worst gift I've ever received. So that part of it was great. They had so many legends there, so many great players, uh, former players, excuse me. But I thought that part was a great job. They had, you know, like the players riding in the buses around London, doing interviews, mic'd up. That part was so fun. Again, I do think that advertisement, though, leading up to it could be a little bit better next year. I didn't even see like the Cardinals or the Cubs promote it that much on social media. And I follow all of these, unless I completely met me and Dawson completely. That's what I'm it. thinking. I'm like, is there a way that we just like we're in a coma for a week <laughs> leading up to this and we woke up during the game? Like, I don't there's gonna be people that are like, oh, what are you talking about? I saw this on Twitter. Yeah, yeah I, just, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we blacked out and missed it. I don't know. We could have blocked out and missed it. We're too we're too zoned in on this podcast. Yeah. What can I say? Also, Derek Jeter should shave that beard if he's a real Yankee for life. Um. Anyway. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> Got to work on the beard. Got to work on um, the beard, yes. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I just feel like we're su- – oh, they wanted Paris two years from now. They're throwing around the idea mm. of Paris for a series. I, um, they, the French don't like us over there. I don't know how that's going to go over. <laughs> they really don't like Americans. Well, they're like, well, yeah, here's baseball. I'm sure that'll go over so great. I'm sure that will be advertised so heavily. Um, the French are going to be like, no, they're not coming. Sorry, they can't come over <laughs> here. That's too many Americans. Absolutely not. Not all at once. Fox is making the graphics packages as we speak. Yeah, have a, <laughs> have a fun little Eiffel Tower gifts in there. Um so yeah, I just thought that was weird. It's a long way to go. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of growing the game internationally. I think Love that's it. what the game that's what the game needs, but we gotta gotta figure it out because you can't just yeah. shoehorn two games that aren't really well advertised once a year and, and expect Agreed. that to be like, hey, job well done, guys. <laughs> we did it. That's it. That's it. We grew the game, game this year. <laughs> game's grown. Game's 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 fully grown. Um gotta work on that. Um, okay. So here's some, here's something that a team needs to work on. Yes. Uh, the San Diego Padres, they were left speechless when the Washington Nationals took two out of three in their weekend series in San Diego. That's the third series in a row that the Padres have lost. They're nine and a half games out of first place. And I really like, so Ben and Woods, 97.3, the fan in San Diego. If you're listening in California, shout out. Love you guys. Um, they are friends, friends of the show, and I wanted to listen to their show because they really have like a really good pulse of like Padres fans, more so than what you see on Twitter when they make fun of me for like an Eric Cosmer. Um, <laughs> but I want, I was like, all right, so I listened on Monday, and and Woods, I love this guy. It just he seems so down. He said Sunday was my worst day as a Padres fan this season. It, he's he's worried that a lot of Padres fans are become apathetic and just stop caring mm-hmm. because these losses keep piling up. They're, they'll blow a team out. They'll score 10 runs one game, and then they'll get blown out the next game. And it's kind of like this weird 500 at best ball club right now. And it's just the team looks defeated. I don't, I'm trying to assess blame here because that's, that's what we as fans do. And that's what people in, in general do. We're like, whose fault is this? Why do we suck so bad? And I'm really conflicted. I have a couple theories, but I'll, I'll let you start. We'll kind of open this up here. Like, who, Whose fault is this? I I have to blame either management or there's clearly some type of issue going on in the clubhouse, but I did some digging because I'm looking at, Justin and I talked about this when we first brought the Padres a couple weeks ago and we said, are we hitting the panic button? Are we not hitting the panic button? And it's like, you look at the numbers and you're going, how is this team not 
consistently winning. I'm just, okay. Juan Soto is hitting 296 in the month of June. Tatis is hitting 286. Machado is hitting 292 since returning from the IL. Bogart's 245 in his last 25 games. That's four solid bats right there in, in your lineup. Now, the bullpen, third best ERA in baseball. So I'm like, okay, so we got the bullpen's taken care of. The hitting is taken care of. Starters averaging about a four ERA. I did do a little bit more digging because I'm like, okay, there, there must be something going on with the hitting. And the team is hitting 204 with RISP this season. So I feel like it's just like a matter of timely hits. But I do want to hear your thoughts, Justin. I, You're right. The, the timely hitting's a problem. The, there's a lot of hitting like things that they need to work on. I think Wood said they're the worst hitting team this season against the fastball because their old buddy Mackenzie Gore, now Washington Nationals guy that they traded for Juan Soto, was great. Um, he opened the game and he threw like 50, he struck out the first six Padres and he threw almost exclusively fastballs. And, and just like people everywhere freaking out. They're like, this is a lineup full of superstars and we can't hit a fastball. Um so that part's not great. So maybe, maybe, all right, well, if we're, you know, divvying it, you ever seen those TikToks where you get like a bowl and you're pouring in the water and it's just like, all right, we'll pour a little water in the bowl for the hitting part, for the fastballs thing. But um, uh, he Woods read off some stats that I also wanted to echo because I just could not believe them. Um, it, the Padres are 8-30 and 30 when their opponent scores first. They're 5-13 and 13 in one-run games and they're 0-6 and in extra inning games. Wow. And you're right. I, you're, I when, and when I was trying to assess Blaine, I was looking at these MLB, like, Team stats, it's like pitching, pretty good. We're actually top of five in most categories, starter, reliever, mm-hmm. offense. You knew what you're getting with the bottom of the order with like Trent Grisham and yeah. on their catcher. Um, it, or Austin Nola. Austin Nola's hitting 140, by the way. So you knew that those guys weren't really supposed to be carrying you guys, so they have other yeah. hitters. But I I got to look at management. I, I got to look at I gotta look at Bob Melvin. I got to look in the dugout. And... You never talk about another man's job, but one run games, tight situations, clubhouse vibes, for lack of a better term, that's his job. And I know as soon as we, I'm going to put this out as a clip and I guarantee Padres fans will start the the hashtag fire AJ Preller on me, the GM. I don't think it's Preller's fault. I think he has some blame, but I don't think it's all of his fault. So you think it's coming from inside the clubhouse? I just think that, like, you look at Xander Bogarts, the guy looked like a shell of a man. Yeah. Like, and that's just, like, what the whole team is. It's, like, they all look confused. Like, Manny Machado is coming out. I saw a video where he was, like, defending the hitting coaches. Um, but just, like, these people that are saying A.J. Preller can't construct a roster, where are the holes besides catcher and center field? Where are yeah. the holes on this roster? Yes. Like, And I also think, like, it's extremely discouraging that they have – such a high payroll and Chris Bassett made an excellent point. Um, I think he was on foul territory a couple of weeks ago saying that when teams aren't succeeding and they're spending so much money, the players are like, well, this is just not going to give them an incentive to spend money on players anymore. And they're just not going to go out there and get top talent. So, because think about like the Orioles, the Rays, they're like, Oh, see, we don't even need to spend money. We can just cruise and do well. So I feel like, as a whole, it's just not good for baseball in general. That's a bold statement, but I'm I'm going to say it. There, There is a larger conversation to be had about large spending teams like this, but like at the end of the day too, it's like players have to play. Like yeah. Xander Bogarts, bought, like he's having one of the worst offensive seasons of his career. Like Juan Soto started out of the gate pretty slow. 
you're you're relying on your your rocks of your team to be better and it's like it's not AJ it's not AJ Preller's fault he's he brought the guys in here and like yeah there's certain parts of the roster you could assess blame to he's not without blame I'm not claiming that he's some sort of angel and is holier than thou but um I just I don't understand why people would look to the and, and also G, GMs never get fired no. unless it's like egregious it the first person to go is the manager which I don't again not talking about another manager job so um but all I'm saying is that the Philadelphia Phillies made a change in the dugout last season. They went on a run and went to the World Series. So um, they you got you got to light a fire. You got you got to change the vibes up. Got to do something because this is a team. I like at the beginning of the season, I made so many videos like, oh my god, they're gonna be the best team of all time. They're gonna kick the Dodgers' ass again. It's gonna be the best thing ever. And it's like, what are they nine and a half out in June twenty seventh, and they just kind of look like that five hundred ball club, like you know. A lot of expectations, not living up to them. I, this it's a really complicated thing, and I I love I was deep in Padres Twitter. I was like I put the eye black on. I went full like Rambo. <laughs> I came up out of the water. I was in Padres Twitter behind enemy lines, um, and it was all AJ Preller's fault apparently. So interesting. What are you gonna do? But that's where they're placing blame. Yeah, o- almost universally. Like those they'll, they'll point like. They'll, they'll throw out like, well, you know, Bob Melvin can only manage the players he's been given. He can only cook with the ingredients that he's been given or whatever. What more um, ingredients do you need? That's what I'm they saying. They have to produce. Like, like it's the same thing they, with the freaking Yankees. Like, I don't understand. They blame the players then. Yeah, blame the players. and But getting the getting the most out of players is a coaching thing. Yes. Like, he, he like, AJ Preller literally went out and like, did they need Xander Bogarts? Technically, no. They could have run Hassan Kim back out there and ran ran back the same, or put Tatis at shortstop and, and been perfectly fine. But yeah. they wanted to ball out and spend big, and I love that move at the time. Unfortunately, I haven't for like ten more years. But yeah, Xander Bogarts in two fifty six right now. His OPS plus is I mean it's one hundred five, but that's you're not paying him for ten more years to be a league average hitter with eight home runs. Um, it's 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 insane. Like. Should Preller have brought in Matt Carpenter and, and Nelson Cruz, who are at the tail end of their career, who are not hitting neither of them? Probably not. But like, I, I don't know. Like, you're this is this is just frustrating. And I feel like as soon as we get back into Padres Twitter, I'm gonna regret everything that I've ever said because they're gonna they're to come from a throat again. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow right now if you're a San Diego Padres fan. Yeah, it just a rough couple months, especially when during the offseason you have such high hopes, such high expectations, especially how they did last year. They go out, they spend big, and then this is what's happening on the field. So 13 and 12 in the last 25 games, averaging 4.8 runs a game. Again, the numbers aren't even terrible. Like you would think some of these hitters are all hitting under like all below average, but it's it's tough. It's like some there's there are certain puzzles that just aren't fitting for the Padres right now. And I think you're right. It comes from inside the clubhouse, comes from the coach. They got to figure it out. We'll see. I mean, teams going to tear after the all-star break. So they, there is still plenty of time. See what they do with the trade deadline. Not that I think they should be spending anything else, but we'll see. Only time will tell. I don't think they're going to spend. I don't think they should subtract. I hope, I hope they don't subtract no. from this team. Um, but I think Xander Bogart said himself, he's like, there's not a lot of tomorrow's left. Because we keep using that old adage, like, hey, a lot, lot of baseball left. A lot of, it's pretty early in the season. I love, you know, when, when my team was bad, saying how early it was. Yeah. I would keep saying that up until, like, September. Just, yeah, hey, exactly. it's still, still early. Um, 
So, yeah, it's we, we, the Padres have to get it figured out. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. We, I want to switch gears, though, because you mentioned the Yankees, and I want to talk a little bit about them, because when we had Brian on last week, he talked about how Aaron Boone has his players' backs. He will never go in front of the media and badmouth a single player. That leads to the veterans and all these pe- the players liking him as a manager. Um, but Josh Donaldson, I think we talked about it earlier, third consecutive game on Sunday he didn't play. So Aaron Boone won't publicly like badmouth him, but his actions – you know, speak louder than words in this regard. And they're just, they're just not going to play Josh, Josh Johnson anymore. Yeah. So I'm going to just set the scene for Yankee fans. Cause everyone, it was a bit of a frenzy on Twitter um, the other day when JD didn't start because Aaron Boone was supposed to come out for the pregame press conference. All the reporters are going, uh, Aaron Boone is not here. He's late to the, the pregame meeting. What's going on. If anyone's ever been on Yankees Twitter, it is the most chaotic place you will ever be. It's, from the Yankees are the best team in baseball. They're winning the World Series to sell the team, rebuilding year. Aaron Judge is on the IL. We're not winning a single game for the remainder of the season. So you get two spectrums. So, of course, Yankees Twitter goes, Donaldson's getting DFA'd. That's what's happening. He's having a meeting with Josh Donaldson. Donaldson's getting DFA'd because that's who he was talking to. They said, oh, he was sorry. I, I was in a meeting with JD. Of course, that's all what Yankees Twitter seems to think is occurring. After the game, JD comes out to the media, and they're asking him, like, oh, what – what were you guys talking about? Like Meredith's asking him questions. He's getting very short with all the reporters saying, yeah, you guys are like really making this out to be something that it's just not, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to keep working hard every day. Like do whatever I'm told. And you know, if, if I'm, if I'm a bench player, it's fine. But Aaron Boone then came out to the media and said, JD's going to play a lot this season. So I'm not really sure what's happening with Josh Donaldson. In my opinion, they're going to roll him out at third base up until the all-star break, maybe even a week or two after that. And if he's still not hitting consistently as he, I mean, he hasn't for a year now, for an entire year, he has not been hitting consistently, but if he's still struggling at the plate, I think DJ will, will play third base or there's been rumors that they'll call up Peraza. So I don't, I don't foresee JD playing that long. And for everyone, I'm just going to make this crystal clear. Anyone saying that they're going to DFA him, they are absolutely not. He is the second highest paid position player. I mean, if you take Aaron Judge out of the equation, Judge, Stanton, JD is technically the third highest position player on the Yankees. So he has still plenty of money left. He's literally not going anywhere. That is my Josh Donaldson rant. That was going to be my question to you. I was just thinking like, it's so easy as fans when you have a player on your team that was struggling. And for so many years, it was the Orioles and Chris Davis. And every single year, they're like, why can't we just cut this guy, buy him a train ticket out of town? Like, it's it's not that easy, especially when you have a large contract or you're paying him a lot per year like the Yankees are or like what the Orioles were doing with Chris Davis. Like, it's it's not as easy as you can't wave a magic wand and make the guy that sucks make the bad man go away most more often than not. Yes. Um, but God, I looked at Josh Donaldson's numbers this year. They're abysmal. He's six for 48 with a 125 average. He has one hit in his past 47 at bats with a guy on base. So I don't know what it is. This is a, this is an all-star player. 
I mean, up until like the last season, he was on the Twins, 26 bombs, 250 average. Like I, the Yankees have done something to him, or maybe he's just progressing or degressing as a player. But um, so yeah, if if he's if he's full time bench, if he's the if he's the vibes guy giving out gum and sunflower seeds on the bench for the rest of the season, like what do you feel confident and whatever they can patch together for third base? I think if DJ gets the hitting back and he's a little bit more consistently at the plate, third base will be fine. My thing is, oh, I can feel the Twitter comment section. Okay, JD is a very good defensive third baseman, like makes plays, excuse my language, literally out of his ass. So I do like him defensively on defense because you're watching game and you're like, that's a base hit, that's a base hit, that's a base hit. But JD gets to it. So the problem is, is that since they don't have Judge in the lineup, you can't really afford to have another hole of lack of offensive production. So they're going to need someone that's both hitting consistently and playing defense consistently. So again, I think it's going to be DJ. You guys never know. IKF played third base on the Rangers. So IKF could, we could send him out there to third base. Peraza could get called up. He could go play third base. There are options. IKF is go- is turning into the world's best utility player on the planet, including pitching. So just <laughs> Yankee fans have no fear. Everything is going to be fine, as I always say. I'm well, Yankee's PR department, if anyone was wondering. You are spin zone. Yeah, I looked up seven defensive <laughs> runs saved this year for Josh Donaldson. That's very good. Yeah, pretty yeah. slick still at 37 years old, still command slick. the hot corner. Um, I saw a graphic since Judge went out. I, we should probably talk about Aaron Judge a little bit too. Since yeah. June 4th. Uh, Donaldson four for forty. Uh, Lemayhew seven for forty-two. Stanton six for fifty-five. So we're not we're not killing it without Aaron Judge. Um, also, when is he coming back? I feel like he's never coming back. Okay, we'll just. Keep, I'm going to try and keep this a little bit brief. So it came out um, on Saturday that Judge has torn a ligament in his toe. Now I'm not a science person, so of course I hurled myself off the Brooklyn Bridge when I heard that news. But then I called my sister, and she said, "Well." When he said he sprained his toe, that's the equivalent to tearing a, a ligament. It's the same definition. So he tore a ligament in his toe. But Yankee fans were freaking out because Boone said, it's coming back in a couple days. He's starting baseball activity. A couple days, Judge is coming back. And then it was, it's going to be like another week. And then it was, um, I hope he comes back this season. But I can't make any guarantees. I think he's going to come back this season, but I can't guarantee anyone. So my prediction, because... Justin, I love to make predictions on the New York Yankees. My prediction is Judge comes back. I'm going right now July after the All-Star break. I'm going to go July 20th. But I, he can I, only I, DH. He can only DH. He's not playing the outfield yet. Uh, they're off on the 20th. <laughs> of course they are. All right, I'll um, go July 21st. How's that? Are they playing? Okay, that's that's a home game. That's Friday against the Royals. That's Nestor Cortez bobblehead night for Perfect. your fans playing along at home. I think you need a little bit more time. <laughs> no. You're like, he's coming back February of 2024. <laughs> I think Aaron Judge is coming back. This is good. Ooh, here we go. Okay. August 20th. Bear with no. me. That's a Sunday 135 start against the Red Sox. It's Roger Maris number 61 bobblehead day. Oh, he has to come back then. How poetic would that be? That would be Aaron... beautiful. Oh, could you imagine? Like, you can't script it better than that. Aaron Judge comes back. His toe is completely healed. They've patched all the walls in Major League Baseball because I think that's what did it because it was the Dodger Stadium wall, I think, that had a it gap. Was. 
So Major League Baseball has enough time to put flex seal and all. I don't know what they need to do to fix all these walls, but they fix every wall. He comes back, hits a home run against the Red Sox. You do have to wait until August 20th, though. But I mean, we're not waiting two months. Well, you, you might have to because the man's got weak feet. Wait, did you see, though, on Twitter, people were like, this is getting very specific. They were going, well, with his height, and he's like almost 300 pounds because he's a six seven. You know, that's that's a really serious issue because if he doesn't get it fixed, keep in mind we got him for like another nine years. So it's a little, a little concerning, a little concerning if we have a hurt Aaron Judge. I don't want to hurt Aaron Judge. I want a fully healthy Aaron Judge. And now I'm very nervous. But I will say this: it does not mean the Yankees are out. And no, we should just not. We should not just sell the team. We're not, we're not just selling. We're not selling at the trade deadline. We're buying. Buying Juan Soto from the, the Hey, every team, th- every team thinks they're buyers until they're not. Until they look in the mirror, get a cold, hard dose of reality, and say, hey, it's not our year. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, you know, I've, there's been many a year where I've thought the Orioles should be buyers, and they end up being sellers. So, um, not this year, though, because of the play of former Yankee, now current Orioles sensation, Aaron Hicks. And look, I'm man enough. We throw a lot of takes out on this show. Not all of them land. And I've I've been waiting. I've been trying to delay this, to, to delay the inevitable. I was wrong about Aaron Hicks. It's like the Shaq meme. I owe you an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game. You know. That's that's Photoshop my face over Shaq. We're doing that as a meme. Um, <laughs> because I said at the time, oh, this guy's the king of five game hot streaks. This guy will light the world on fire. Then he'll go back to hitting 210 and dropping everything in the outfield. No. It's been rock solid. In 22 games with the O's, 284 average, 937 OPS, seven extra base hits, four home runs. And uh, last week he had homered four RBIs against the Rays. It was it was a bad day for people like me. And look, I wasn't rooting for Aaron Hicks to be bad. I just, like, I, I knew who Aaron Hicks was. But... I think enough time has passed, and I'm I'm going to be man enough here. I'm going to put my hand up and say, I was wrong. That was a bad take. I think Aaron Hicks is a pretty good ball player now. I respect you for that. I think he's going to go on a tear. Cedric Mullins is back, though, so I don't know where where they're putting Hicksy personally, but I think I'm I'm happy for him. Although people were saying on Twitter that, oh yeah, he just couldn't play in New York, like couldn't handle the pinstripes. He played in New York, so. And he could handle it at one point, but maybe that does fade. I, I'm very curious about that. So we'll ask the people on when they can comment on this. Do you think that fades? Do you think the pressure becomes eventually too much? Because at one point, he was he was doing okay. He was doing okay in New York. Now, he just wants he wants to have the Orioles magic. So I'm proud of Hicksy. Go Hicks. Absolutely. This is now a, a pro Aaron Hicks podcast. Yes. Mostly because he's on my team. Uh, go Birds. But, like... We, we talked about like Mike Elias at the time when they signed him. He's like, hey, we see stuff that's not on the back of the baseball card. We have some proprietary algorithm. I think I called it wizardry at the time. It's like, yes. hey, we see something you guys can't because you guys are dumb and we're not. And I was like, oh, that's – oh, yeah, real – okay, Mike Elias, sure, play that card. He, they do. I don't know what they have. I don't know what kind of analytics – I was on Baseball Savant all afternoon looking at percentile rankings for people. Like, they just – they have access to things that we as common people don't. Mm-hmm. So – we, we have to figure that out. But going back to your point, though, about just like playing in New York, it absolutely because that they, the Yankees fans were like mercilessly booing, hissing at him, probably 
like throwing things. Like it was just like one thing after another and that like probably mentally broke him. So that's your fault. Yeah. Uh, what? It's not just my fault. As it's a representative all... from the Yankees delegation, you guys did this to him. It's true. I mean, I do. I think the pressure, not the pressure kind of got to him, but it's tough when you're consistently doing so poorly on your team. What are you supposed to do? Jo- right. Joey Gallo can't handle the pinstripes. All right. Sonny Gray couldn't handle the pin. Some people just can't do it. You know who can it? Harris Bader can handle the pinstripes. Some people thrive in New York. Other people, it's a tough market to play in. It's difficult. It can't all play Whenever here. Can do it. That's why it's the best <laughs> city in the world. Okay. Speaking well, that's which. debatable. Um, I, Brandon Hyde, Orioles manager, fantastic quote. We'll wrap this up with this. He said, he credits the Orioles culture for Aaron Hicks's turnaround. He said, I want to believe that we have an environment that allows players to be themselves and be comfortable. He's a total probe and super supportive of his teammates here. And they've been supportive of him right now. It's been a really good fit. And Felix Bautista said he's one of us now. One of us. One of us. us. They love um, him. They're embracing it. Absolutely. It, he, you know, he, he got to grow the beard out. Maybe that's it. Maybe people really just want to grow the beard out. Gallo had the beard. It's the beard. Hicks has the beard. Mm-hmm. Loosen the facial hair policy up a little bit. Jesus. No, I like that. I will stand on that hill until the day I die. I like the facial hair policy. I think it's nice. It's tradition. It's tradition. It used to be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> With him should be. Yeah, the way game should be. <laughs> Everyone <Everybody>. should be shaved. <laughs> Clean shave, crew cut, mustache if you're feeling it, but probably not. Who, who the hell wears a mustache anymore? Um, uh, we're just going to keep the Yankees talk going here because we have – it's time for our Anthony Volpe update. We need to have Woo-hoo. music or like lasers or pew, 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 mm-hmm. or like a reggae Tron horn or something. Maybe we'll add yes. that in and post. Um, because I saw a tweet from Joe Randazzo. Anthony Volpe, after the chicken parm of destiny. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, it's just a funny. It's, he tweeted that. He's like trying to be serious. Um, since that series with the Mets, Volpe's hitting 258, 378 on base, 484 slugging, 143 weighted runs created plus for all you stat people out there. Um, he's still striking out a ton, though. But, I mean, chicken parm of destiny. That might just be the cure for everybody. Yeah. Shout out Austin Wells. He was the one who helped him out. Top prospect for the New York Yankees catcher. Helped him out with that. I was watching the Rangers game on Sunday, and I said, if Volpe can just – he doesn't even have to – he doesn't have to hit home runs. He doesn't have to hit do- – he just needs to get on base. If he can put the ball in play a little bit more, get the strikeout rate down a little bit, put the ball in play, walk. I don't really care. Just find a way to get on base. The pitchers get so rattled when he is on base, like absolutely rattled. David Cohn made such a great point. He said, as a pitcher, that is very hard. It's very hard to concentrate on the batter when you have someone with speed like that on the bases. Also, I mean, shout out Anthony Volpe. He like dance, he fully dances on the base path. Like he jumps around on first, he deeks guys out on second. That is very frustrating as a pitcher. And it's an advantage also towards the batter, like the next batter up, because not throwing as consistently strikes, maybe makes a mistake. Next batter can get a hit, and then obviously Volpe can score from second easily, even score from first on like a gap shot. So we just need him to get on base a little bit more, and ev- ev- all will be well with the world. And then the big guys, Stanton, Rizzo, Deej, Glaib, can get him in, and everything's fine. So I'm I'm happy. The trajectory is going up. At least he's not going down. If he was going down, that'd be a little concerning. 
but it, then again, when we when we went over it, we were like, can he can it get any can it get any worse than this? It's going, that was, all, it's going that was all great. That was all beautiful. Uh, people on Twitter though, or the Instagram oh. comment section, they okay. will just say that he's hitting 195, and that kind of they think that they that makes them win the argument. Anytime we're like, hey, this Anthony Volpe guy is pretty good, huh? 195. Um, look, there's still a lot of things he has to figure out. The 195 being one of them. Also, he's the 24th highest strikeout percentage in baseball. Strikes out 31% of the time. Yes. And he has the 13th most total strikeouts in the game itself. But as you've said, it's just a kid. He's the Good. first Yankee to have first Yankee rookie to have at least 10 homers and 15 steals since Alfonso Soriano. So like I, I'm just gonna keep beating this drum. Um, he does enough, like you said, on the base pass with the long ball. The defense, I feel like, is still pretty good. The strikeout thing's bad, though. I don't have, we can't sugarcoat that. That's bad. No, the strikeout thing's bad, and I think it's getting a little bit better. But in the beginning, it was it was like a running joke on Twitter. Like he just really gets to O two very very quickly. But again, I think it's getting better. Positivity, positivity going up. And again, Yankee fans. You didn't have a shortstop. You had kind of had to call up Volpe, and they're all going to say, well, you could have called up Peraza. He was doing so well in AAA. Well, but you all wanted Volpe. And I think I sometimes I think management is going, we're just giving you what we asked for, what you guys asked for. So now we're not going to send him down. He's here to stay. He's here to stay all season just because you guys asked for it. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys did this. You did it. You guys, you did this. Um, Let's go across town. Let's talk about, the New York Mets, because the New York Mets have been Metsing again. Mm-hmm. And shout out Frank the Tank. That video on Sunday was an all-time, you know, if you saw this, uh, yeah. you know, noted New York Mets fan Frank the Tank Fleming had, went on an epic rant. Just, it was one of his all-time favorites. So please go look at that if you haven't already. Um, they are 35-43 and 43 on the season, but Sunday against the Phillies, dear God, they, they had a three-run lead in the eighth. They, the bullpen was in a weird spot. They couldn't really, two out of their three best ones, also, it's just hilarious that they only have three good relievers and they have a, like a $500 million payroll. Yeah. Um, so Buck had to go to like a rookie and like a journeyman in the eighth. They give up four runs. They blow the lead. The Phillies win. And Mets fans like Frank the Tank are screaming at their televisions. Um, uh, fan graphs, 12.7% chance of making the playoffs. That feels high. And also yeah. a 0.1% chance of winning the division. I, I don't know what you do if you're the Mets. I mean, we can talk about maybe we can talk about a little blame, do like with the Padres, a little blame, a little what they can do. They're just being the Mets again. They're being the Mets again. It's funny. I did a I did a little funny video on TikTok saying, as I checked on their Mets fans, you guys had to see the comments. They were like, "Well, half were going. I expected this. The other half were going. Please, can we not talk about it? Like, I'm just patiently waiting for football season. That is what gets me so upset is when people just write off their team and say, "Oh, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna wait for football season now." If I'm placing blame, Mets rotation produced 5.01 ERA, better than only four other teams, and you have, you would think, some of the the best pitchers in baseball. Underlying numbers obviously don't look promising either. High home run and walk rates, it's not it's not looking good for the Mets. Um, again, I, I want to blame the pitchers, but then on the flip side, it's not like the offense is is putting up a serious amount of runs. However, I will say this: I was reading an article. Um, from the athletic, shout out the athletic. Go support your local journalism. That's not an ad, I promise. But they the bullpen, the bullpen, the clubhouse seems good. The clubhouse seems good. Lindor saying gonna be fine. Scherzer thinks they can figure it out. Verlander saying 
you know, we, we joke around, we play pool, we're the clubhouse vibes are high. So if the vibes are high, why are you playing so low is my question. Who are you placing blame on? I'm very Ooh. curious to hear your answer. It's well, I, I don't want to put a lot of it on Buck Show, Walter. I'm sure you could probably nitpick some of his managerial decisions and say, oh, he, he should have went to David Robertson because yeah. he was warming up. And, you know, in that game on Sunday against the Phillies, it's like what they did in the wild card game, the Orioles, when they should have put Zach Britton in, they put you ball, though. Dear God. Um, I don't know if it's exactly like that because the situation that Buck finds himself in a lot of these times with his relievers and his bullpen is like, if if two out of three of the good ones are can't pitch that day and the one that can is only limited to an inning because he had just pitched the day before, yeah, you kind of have to trot the rookie and the journeyman out there. Like, yeah. you don't – that's not necessarily a Buck thing. That's where the team – roster construction becomes called into question because you can't have a payroll that high and only have a couple guys that can be counted on. And also, I mean, just Scherzer and, and Verlander. I mean, good God, you're paying these guys $86 million combined per year. And they're like league average, like a really bad start, a pretty good start an ERA. That's like four. You can't, I mean, you can't, you, you'd expect that these guys be the horses, the frontline ACE two ERA postseason dominant guys and you're paying 86 million dollars for what you could probably get in triple a right now it's that's a steve cohen that's in management that upper level management that you can't that's a roster construction thing in my opinion yes i will say this because i i, I do feel like the mets fans need some something positive and i found this from the athletic phillies once were eight games below 500 last season then mounted a nine-game winning streak in early June, snatched a playoff spot, won the pennant. 2021, Braves needed until August to get over 500, built a nine-game winning streak that month, captured the division, won the World Series. 2019, Nationals once fell a dozen games under 500, wait until the final week of June to sustain a winning record, and yet hoisted the commissioner's trophy. So let's just, as always, we take a deep breath. I always say you can't really panic until August. End of, end, end of August, end of August, I would say. So th they have time. The teams turn it around. That is my, you guys have to see the face Justin is giving me right now. I think they can do, those, those stats made me feel better. If I were a Mets fan, that would have made me feel better. Are they catching the Braves? Or, or no, are they making a run for a while? They're not making a run for a wild card. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just feel bad. You never but know. Like, yeah, I know. And like, believe me, I love, uh, here's the thing with like those teams you mentioned it's like the nationals they started at 19 and 31 famously they came back to win it all it's like i feel like those examples give teams false hope or like teams fans false hope it's like why well, hey, the nationals were the worst team ever and look what they did and the phillies fired their manager and look what they did it's like i i, I don't know i i don't i don't necessarily buy into that i feel bad because i like buck showalter but i don't it, just the whole team just things like reeks of like like a 500, like the Padres, like a 500 ball club at best. And they, they can't trade for anybody because they don't want to trade their prospects. They can't sell because like a lot of their guys, like can't really deal from the rotation because who wants $43 million worth of Verlander right now? It's like probably not. They're just going to have to ride it out. At least the vibes are high though. So that's a good thing. Vibes are high. Vibes are high. Um, I think the Mets could do it. I think they can at least turn around a little bit. You never know. Verlander and Scherzer can just go off and be the old Cy Young Verlander from last season. Well, I think this is a point we made earlier. It's just like Mets fans wanted Steve Cohen to spend big, and he spent big. 
Yeah. So, like, I, he did exactly what you guys wanted, but that still doesn't mean that they shouldn't have spent the payroll of some teams on a guy that's 40 years old. So, um, it's a tough spot to be in. Also, yeah, you're probably seeing a lot of it being in the, the New York area there. So, yes. um, thoughts and prayers to your comment section during this difficult time. <laughs> um, it's rough out here. Um, all right, let's change gears. Let's get the vibes going. Let's get the positivity. Let's get the positive vibes flowing right now because now time for Say Something Nice About. For this week, I will kick us off because I, I love finding under-the-radar stories about guys that are bouncing back, fighting adversity, like overcoming all odds. And that this that this week is Julio Tehran. You may remember Julio Tehran. Really, really good years for the Braves. I think he's a two-time, a two-time All-Star, model of consistency. Only three pitchers made at least 30 starts between 2013 and 2019. Uh, or three other pitchers did that, and he was one of them, so four total. Um, 2020, he caught COVID, and then the lingering effects of COVID really messed with him that year. His ERA was, like in, I think, in the 10s. Zapped him of his effectiveness that really had, like, the past decade, basically, had been awesome. Um, so that was 2020, 2021, he got hurt, he hurt his shoulder. He had to drop his arm slot, learn a cutter. And then this, he had to go to the independent league. He had to go to the Mexican league. The Padres took a chance on him, put him in AAA. still really didn't do that great. He got bought out of his contract, but it was the Milwaukee Brewers. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, the Milwaukee Brewers, I talked about gave John Singleton a chance to get back to the majors after I think an eight year gap, the Brewers took another chance on Tehran because they had rotation injuries. Um, they signed him to the rotation. His numbers this year are fantastic. I have him in fantasy baseball. Shout out. Six starts, 1.53 ERA, .877 whip, all with a fastball that rarely breaks 90. So, I mean, this is a, a classic case of betting on yourself. This guy knew he could do it. I don't think he knew. I don't think he thought that he could have a 1.5 ERA at this point, but um, I love it. I love Julio Tehran, and if he's out there, pick him up in your fantasy baseball league. Okay, my say something nice is – a little bit different this week as opposed to I was going to, I had a different one in mind, but then I saw this tweet this morning and I said, all right, this just, this is a story that has to be, has to be told. Cause I feel like it doesn't get enough. It doesn't get enough publicity and it's not going to get an article written about it, but Josh Young, obviously no question. My book 2023 work of the year. So Rangers fell to the Tigers last night, seven to two after losing series to the Yankees this past weekend, Josh Young went 0 for four with four strikeouts of the, at the plate. And like over 16 in his last 25 appearances, something weird like that. I saw that on Twitter. So then one of the beat reporters tweeted out today, after the game last night, Josh Young was standing on the field by himself with a T just hitting after the game. I just, I thought that was such a nice story. And I literally saw that tweet. I'm like, nobody's, this is just going to go unnoticed. Nobody's even going to hear about it. But I'm just so impressed with that, especially like he's been so successful this season. He doesn't, does not have to do that. Take extra reps at the plate, but over four, four strikeouts. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to take some reps off the tee. That is why in my opinion, rookie of the year. And I do believe he should start in the all-star game. Yeah. Say something I, nice. I love that. I'm a big Josh Young guy. Yeah. It's Thanks. also sneaky, funny too. He did a mic'd up thing for the Rangers where he had to go around and just like him interacting with his teammates. It's hilarious. So please check that out. Um, but yeah, big Josh Young fans over here. All right. We're going to end the week with a couple rants. So I don't know if you guys checked out the College World Series. Shout out the LSU Tigers for winning. Uh, it was a fantastic series. Went three games. Um, and the two best players on LSU are also the two best players in the country. It's pitcher Paul Skeens and it is outfielder Dylan Cruz. 
Dylan Cruz took him the, the Golden Spikes Award for the best amateur player in the country. Um, that all leads to the MLB draft, which don't forget, it's coming up. Draft is now during uh, All-Star Week. Instead of being early June in Secaucus, New Jersey, they do it in a big stage during the All-Star Week. Um, but there's a lot large conversation right now about who the Pittsburgh Pirates should take with the number one overall pick. Should it be Paul Skeens, 100-plus mile-an-hour fastball, electric, the next Steven Strasburg? Or is it going to be Dylan Cruz, who had like five hits a game, it felt like, for the College World Series run there? Um, and I know like people will say, like, you know, Paul Skeens is the guy. He's like He's the best pitcher ever. The Pirates need pitching. I don't think so. I think they should go with Dylan Cruz. And, and I'll tell you why. Because the, this year, the Pirates are 26th in the league in runs scored. They're 23rd in OPS and 23rd in runs per game. Only 4.06. They just, we talked about this last week. They had to call up Henry Davis, a, a catcher, only to hit. Don't don't bring your glove to the field, Henry. Or don't bring your catcher's mitt to the field because you're only going to be playing right field and DH. Swing the bat. And it's like, if they're doing that with like some of their first round picks, like why not do it with an actual outfielder who's, He's got a 70-grade hit tool. It's the best bat in the country. I know there's, like, this allure of, like, oh, wow, Paul Skeens could light up the radar gun. He's a horse. He's an ace. He's Garrett Cole, Strasburg, whatever. But also, don't listen to what you're seeing on Twitter about Dylan Cruz doesn't want to go to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I've seen that so often. People are like, oh, it's rumored Dylan Cruz says if the Pirates draft a number one, it's not going to sign there. Doesn't like Pittsburgh as an organization. That's all BS. I think what they were referencing was Dylan Cruz said he doesn't want to take less money just to be the number one overall pick. Like he doesn't want to be low balled and under slotted or whatever. He wants his full number one top dollar. I think that's what he had nothing to do with the pirates. The pirates organizationally are trending upward. They're finally giving money to people now. Um, so yeah, don't listen to any of that draft Dylan Cruz. It'll be the best thing ever. And I'm not saying that as a nationals fan who really wants Paul Skeens on their team. Um, so end of rant. I like that. I agree. Excellent rant. I'm also, I'm so excited for the draft. I, I like that it's going to be on the big stage this year. I'm pumped up. Pumped oh, yeah. for it. All right. Brace yourselves, people. Here's my rant. So in case you missed it, Angels defeated the Rockies past weekend, 25 to 1. 13 runs in the third inning. Absolute insanity. Very happy for myself that that wasn't the Yankees because I don't know what I would have done. I'm going to be totally honest. I got a lot of tweets Got a lot of comments saying I should run for the Angels. No, guys, it's only the Yankees. Only will ever be the Yankees. Sorry. Now, I did see something that I, I want to I want to address. Twitter was saying, you know, when are they just gonna like pump the brakes? Like you're already winning by that much. Like I don't understand why. When when should a team pump the brakes in a game? Never. Absolutely never. And it's for a couple of reasons. There's that. And there's also, again, what, what is this? Softball people were tweeting, there's no mercy rule. In no, there's no mercy rule. This is professional baseball. There is no mercy rule in the sport. You give up 25 runs, sorry, you got to sit through a full nine inning game. If you don't want to sit through a full nine, nine inning game when you're losing by 24 runs, maybe play better. I don't know. Just a, just a thought, concept. There are a couple of reasons why there is no mercy rule and why we're not just going to reel back on the players, right? We're, we're not just going to say, oh, they're only going to go one bag. A um, couple of reasons. Again, one is that people, the fans, pay money to go to the game. So what? We're just going to say, oh, nope, fifth inning. Send them home. Sorry, it was a blowout. You only got your money's worth for five innings. Uh, that just wouldn't work. 
And there are records, there are players that make money due to how well they do in a season. Get a couple extra, I don't know, thousand dollars if you get a little bit more RBI. So if you're going to say, well, you know, don't send the runner from second if it's if it's a base hit. No, he needs that RBI. I also want to make note that Shohei Otani in that game went like one for seven. So 25 to one. Can you imagine if Shohei had like three or four hits? That game just would have been an absolute nightmare. But yes, records would be broken. Titles people are chasing. No, no, we're not reeling anyone in. If you don't want that to happen, play better. Same thing with the people in the minor leagues. Um, Ben Berlander was saying this on his podcast last week. They always told them in the minor leagues, you don't like to travel in single A, then I don't know, play better. Double A travel gets better. Triple A travel gets better. And then obviously professional travel gets better. So no, we're never reeling anyone in. You're going to just keep playing. And if it's a 30-run game, a 35-run game, it doesn't really matter. I don't know. Pitch better. Rant over. <laughs> Justin's laughing. My favorite, my favorite part about all of this was just like when the Rockies traded Mike Moustakis to the Angels like right after the game. And people on Twitter are like, that's what happens when you lose. Like, <laughs> the other team scores 25 runs. You have to give them your best player. <laughs> It's the, that's the compensation. That's the cut. Yeah. That's, I think they absolutely should do that. The Orioles, I remember as a kid, they, they famously lost 30 to three to the Texas Rangers. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the most lopsided defeats of all time. Yeah. It was like 06 or 07. Yeah. It was tough. I was like, I was like 10 years old at the time. I was like, dad, why do they, they, they just won't stop running around the bases. Make it stop. It's great. Dad, I don't want to watch anymore. That was a quick turnoff. That was a quick Let's see what else is going on tonight. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. that was bad. But um, yeah, the, the people that are saying mercy roll are, are hilarious. That's just mercy just roll. Not how, not how baseball works. No. Sorry. No mercy rolls here. Ugh. Sorry. Play better. a lot of ground this week. Yeah, play better. Yes. Hey, it's like uh what was it? It was like when Madison Bumgarner and, and um Max Muncie were going at it, and he's like, Hey, if you don't like if you don't like me pimping this homer, then go get it out of the bay. Yeah. She's like Clayton Kershaw, meme on the Jumbotron. He said, well, I should just pitch better. If I don't want me crying on the Jumbotron after the game, I should just pitch better. That's a pro's pro right there. Um, Well, cool. Okay, cover a lot of ground this week. Assess some blame. Took accountability for our takes. We did a lot this week. Uh, So with that all being said, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys. Ooh, wait. Next week, 4th of July week, there's not going to be an episode next week. Stay tuned for a TikTok live coming because uh we are all on vacation due to the fourth of july holiday happy birthday america uh so we'll see you guys in a couple weeks and before we get out of here a special thank you to the band stick figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music